You know, when Feast was saying, I can do better than all of you when it, in regard to clapping, he is not kidding. Because, boy, he, he, he has nuclear clapping. When he claps, there's a, there's a sound wave, a shock wave that goes throughout the universe. And, uh, boy, he, he, uh, yeah, so if he asks us to clap, we need to get serious because, uh, if he has to fill in for us, you'll be sorry. So anyway, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good thing to know, right? So I'd like to start this message today by sharing a verse that one of the two verses that I feel the Lord has given me for this year, and I'm excited about it. Honestly, I really am. Jesus walks into a room. This is after his resurrection. He walks into a room and he says, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God sent Jesus, his only son, to come and be incarnate man, to be a man, to be God in the flesh. And Jesus came, uh, the way the message version puts it, Jesus came and moved into our neighborhood. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. If that's how God sent Jesus, that's how we're to be sent, to move into the neighborhood. Now, you guys already live in neighborhoods, so you're already there. (laughs) You're already sent. Jesus was sent with love. We're to be sent with love. And Jesus was sent in power. And we're to be sent in power. So... In, in the book of Romans, in the book of Romans chapter 10, there is a very powerful passage that we're going to look at today to talk about being sent. Talk about being sent and to be ready to take the gospel to the world that needs it so badly. Paul shares in this, in this uh, chapter 10 of Romans, if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. He was sent by the Father. I'm using my own words now, but this is the basic thing here. Sent by the Father to live on this earth, to die on the cross, and then subsequently resurrected, buried and resurrected, and then finally ascended, and is now seated at the throne of God. If you believe in your heart and confess that with your mouth, what's the promise that comes from that? You shall be saved. You're saved. You believe in that. That is your faith, your confession of faith that opens the doorway for God's grace to come into you. It's His grace that saves us by our, uh, and the, the roadway is the faith. So that's how we know we're saved. But then, um, so, well, let me say this first. Um, we're not saved because we were raised in a Christian family or in a Christian country. That doesn't save us. There are lots of people. You ask them, what's your faith? They'll say, I'm a Christian. Well, why are you a Christian? Well, my parents are Christian. My grandparents are Christian. We're just raised that way. That's cultural. That's not salvation. You're not saved. You and I, we're not saved just by going to church. Church, Going to church is a good idea. That's how we grow. That's how we live in Christian community. But that's not how we're saved. We're not saved by going to church. We're not saved just because we don't smoke and we don't drink or hang out with the people who do. That isn't your roadway to salvation. (laughs) Okay, maybe it's a good idea, 
But it's not what saves you. What saves us is our confession of faith in Jesus Christ, in His death and resurrection and ascension, by belief and confession, by that statement. And we have to say it too, you know? We have to say it. Paul even talks about that in this passage of Scripture, that our confession, there's power in that. And then he goes on to say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I think we need to be doing that on a regular basis, which is what our worship team did with us today. Our worship team leads us in calling on the name of the Lord. So there's salvation in that. Another verse in this uh, passage is, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. This is Romans 10. A good passage to learn and to study. After Paul has established these facts, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's your confession of mouth, your, your belief in your heart. After he establishes all those things, he begins to ask some questions. And this is where we're going to today. All right? This is where we are. Ready? Okay. First, how are they to call on one they have not believed in? He's asking you, the believer, this question. How are they, those people who don't know about Jesus, how are they supposed to call on him if they haven't believed in him? These questions are meant to shake us in our boots. They're meant to stir us up, awaken us to the need that's out there. You see, Paul himself went to other people. He went to share the gospel. And he went into all kinds of different places and went through all kinds of dangers and troubles and persecutions and hardships for the people who never heard. He went to tell them. So he, Paul, expects other people to do the same thing. The point is they haven't had a chance yet to believe. So this is the first question. How are they to call? If everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is to be saved, how are those other people supposed to call on the Lord if they haven't, they haven't had a chance to believe? Then he goes on and he asks another question. How are they to believe in the one they have not heard of? It's a logical question. So people debate this kind of thing all the time. What about all those heathen who never heard the God? Are they going to go to heaven or go to hell? Really, that's not the question. The question is, what about you and me? <laughs> what are we doing about it? How are they to believe in one they have not heard of? If they haven't heard, how can they believe? And they can't believe until they hear. Without the gospel, where will they be? The next question he asks, how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? You see where we're going? How are they to hear unless somebody preaches them? Somebody has to tell them. We, Light of the Nations, we're a church in this city and in this world, and we have a responsibility. We do. We have a responsibility, and I, as the pastor, have a responsibility to our church to organize our church in such a way that we tell people about Jesus. If I don't do that, I'm slacking on my job. If I don't challenge us to go out and make disciples, I'm not doing my job. I can do all the preaching. I can do the weddings and the baptisms and the, and the funerals and everything else that a pastor is supposed to do. But if I'm not getting us prepped, ready, and motivated 
to preach to the lost, I failed. And we as a church have failed if we don't do that. Somebody has to preach outside of these four walls. Somebody's got to do it. Here's a quote that I learned long ago that I totally love. Until, I didn't print it, but until we care more about the future of the people outside of these walls than we care about our own future, our church has no future. Now that's a little confusing, but I'm going to say it again. Until we care more about the future of the people outside of these walls than we care about our own future, our church has no future. Until we care about the people out there who've never heard this message, our church is on a dead-end course. We have to think about those folks who've never heard. If all we ever do is come together, sing songs, hear sermons, do weddings and funerals, we only have hit on half of what we were created for. Now, all those other things are very, very important. We're a church community. We have to be together as a family. Yesterday, we had a really nice birthday party here for Nelda. We're not keeping your age a secret anymore, I noticed. Everybody knows you're 80 years old now. <laughs> but it was a really nice time to, to be together here yesterday as a church family. Well, that's part of what we do as a family, as a community. But all those kinds of things are half of what we do. The other half, the other part that is a little harder and scarier is that evangelism part of reaching the lost. And how are they to hear without somebody preaching to them? And then Paul goes on to ask one last question. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Somebody has to send the preachers. Now, I want to tweak the language here. Instead of saying this, the preachers, I want to say the evangelists. Do you know, in the body of Christ, there are different gifts for different people. There are certain people who are good at teaching. There are certain people who are good at counseling and advising. There are certain people who are good at going ahead of everybody else and blazing a trail, apostles. And there are certain people who are good as evangelists. And what this message about, and this year, 2017, is going to be about is helping find who the evangelists are in our church and coming behind them and sending them forth and encouraging them and standing behind them. We have to select, well, God has to select, God has selected those people, encourage them, raise them up. Now, we as a church, we do missions around the world. We have missionaries in Costa Rica. I'm looking forward to us as a church getting to know them better. I want to invite them over here and preach to us a little bit so we get to know them. We have um, missionaries in Costa Rica. We have missionaries in Ethiopia, Estonia, Guatemala, India. There are works in these various places that we're connected with. But what are we doing from right here in our own church? And what are you doing? This is a challenge I'm putting before you today. What are you doing to reach the lost of your neighborhood? We need to send out those evangelists. We need to pray for it. The Father is sending us, and we need to join Him in being sent and not be scratching our fingernails along the floor trying to stay in a safe place, just holding back from what He's sending us to do.
Okay, so that's the, that's the basic message uh, for today, that we need to be sent. And we need to find the people who are who to be sent. As it is written, how timely is the arrival of those who proclaim... The next slide. How timely is the arrival of those who proclaim the good news? Uh, this is a verse from Isaiah, and you've often heard it in a different way. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And so as a result of, of the wording of that verse... Uh, we talk about the feet who walk and go share the gospel and things like that. And, and that's good. But the actual uh, meaning of that verse is how timely it is. It's so uh, important this time to proclaim the good news. This is the year of our proclamation. This time we have is irreplaceable. We don't know what's going to happen this year. We don't know what's going to happen at the end of this year or next year. But what we know is we have this moment we have today. And we need to go in the power of the Lord to reach the lost. Now, as I was preparing this message, the idea came to me, I want to call forth out of Light of the Nations 12 evangelists, 12 people of our 130 or so who will dedicate themselves and commit themselves to every week reaching someone who does not know Jesus and helping them take a step toward Jesus. In some way, it might be a small little way, or it might be some, you know, full preaching, sharing the whole gospel message and praying with them to receive Christ. There are people in our church who are made for this. Now, some of you are cringing while I'm talking, saying, not me, it's not me. Okay, that's all right. Don't be nervous. If God has called you, he will equip you and he will help you. So as I was preparing the message, I was thinking, I want to call forth 12 evangelists, because 12 is a good number, right? That's the number of tribes. Uh, that's the number of apostles, that or disciples that Jesus called. And then that was the same number of, of apostles that were sent out um, to share the word around the world. And I, I thought 12 would be a stretch for us. And then I realized, I'm going to tell you a fun little thing here. I realized maybe I'm a little short-sighted. Maybe we need more than 12. Because I had a wonderful time here on Friday night. This room was filled with about uh, 30, 30 youth who were here. And I brought this message to them because I wanted to have something to bring to you today. So I brought this message to our youth group. And I called forth. I said, how many of you will be willing to be one of these 12 evangelists. Guess how many I got? 10. <laughs> I got 10. Oh, 11? Oh, okay. 11. I think I missed somebody. We got 11. So, you know, then I thought, well, that lets everybody else off the hook, and I'm not going to do that. So I'm going for 24 now. And these are people who are going to be dedicated this year to and committed to reaching the lost. And here, I would like, uh, if you guys could help me pass, could everybody take one of these cards? Now, these are not for all of you to sign. These are for the evangelists, for the ones that God has chosen and the ones who are going to say yes to it. I want you to look at this card. This is what the youth saw on Friday, and 11 of them have signed up to say, yes, I will do that. 
So I would like you to look at this, and I want to read this, and I want us as a church, now someone in here, someone in here might be one to say, yes, I'll be that. I'll sign this card. There's going to be a job for everybody. Don't worry. Everybody's going to have a job. But I want you to look at this card and see what people are signing up to. And I want to talk it through here. Okay, could I have one too, Joel? Thank you. Oh, never mind. I got him here. All right. So look at this. I commit. And if you're one here to commit, then get ready to sign. We'll get you a pen. I commit to represent Jesus and my church in helping a person take one step toward Jesus each week. And then here's a little explanation. Okay, We're going to help someone take a step toward Jesus. That's what our evangelists are doing. It can be the same person every week or it could be a different person. Okay, It doesn't have to only be one either. And I understand that I am asking them to take a step toward Jesus not necessarily toward me to become their friend, and not necessarily to just bring someone to church. You know, it's easier to say to somebody, hey, come to my church, than it is to say, hey, you need to know Jesus. But what people really need is Jesus. They need Jesus more than they need the church. The church is is a vessel to help people grow and mature, and it's really important to be in a church. But that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to reach people for Jesus. So I'm asking, we're going to take a moment of silence here after a while. You just hold on to this card. We need to be a church that rescues people from the destruction in this world. Now, have any of you heard about the white helmets? Who knows about white helmets? Okay, one person. So the rest of you need, oh, two people. The rest of you need to hear about this. In Syria, there are Bombs dropping on buildings in various cities constantly. Over 250,000 people have died in Syria in the past few years from bombs and from the war going on there. And you've all heard about ISIS, and we've been praying so much about this. But these people, the bombs come and they hit a building, and the buildings collapse, and there are people inside. There is a team, an army of, of volunteers... Nobody hired them. Nobody recruited them. They all wear white helmets, and they go charging into these buildings soon after, as soon as they can get there, after the bombs go off. And they rescue people out of the buildings. One of the most dramatic rescues is as they were looking through one of these bombed-out buildings, three stories had collapsed, and trapped inside was a little uh, one-month-old or so baby trapped underneath three floors, a pile of rubble. And as these volunteers, these white helmets were walking through, they heard a baby crying. And they turned and went, can you believe anybody's alive in here, they said. And so they began to dig and dig and dig, and they got this baby out after 16 hours of being trapped in this building. Absolutely amazing. Bill's going to show us a little video. I want us to look at this, and I want to think of what you and I are going to do is just like what these white helmets are doing, helping people get rescued. So those are the white helmets. We are the white helmets for Jesus. That's who we are. We have to be the ones who go into the burning buildings of people's destroyed lives and bring the message of hope of Jesus Christ and rescue them. We have to do it, folks. 
We have to do it in our own way. We have to do it as just who we are. And you and I both feel pretty incompetent in this area. But you know what? It doesn't matter because it's not about you or me. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. All God needs is a volunteer who's going to go in and say, yes, I will do this. I will do it. I will go in. I will share the message. I will speak Jesus to that person at Starbucks or that that person at the grocery store or that neighbor that you've known for years and you've never really gone and talked to them. Daniel says, but the wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse and those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. This is a promise for you. People who, with the help of the Holy Spirit, will commit each week to help one person take a step closer to Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to calling on Jesus, who will proclaim the good news. That's how we do it. We just tell the good news. We can't be responsible for a person's salvation, for a person's conversion. All we have to do is be responsible to tell, to give the news, to speak the prophetic word into somebody's life. That's our job. The proclaimers, that's our job. The evangelists. So, um, <clears throat> as Paul concludes this little teaching in Romans chapter 10, he says on the next slide, Consequently, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. So this is what we do. We go into the, the place where God calls us, and we listen to Him and His Holy Spirit, and then we tell people what they need to hear about Jesus. We pray for them. Sometimes it's as simple as going to a person and say, I, I notice you're having a hard time. Would you uh, care if I prayed for you? And just asking that question. And then people usually say yes. Um, this afternoon in the service, I'm gonna, I've shared this already, but I just have to do it again. In the afternoon service, Kyle Schaefer is going to share this little testimony. He came to our Holy Spirit conference in November. He and his wife, Alyssa, were sitting over here. And they were so moved by the teaching and the, the move of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> They've decided to go to Bridgeway Church in the morning. So that's where they attend right now. Um, and Alyssa is our children's director, our new children's director. Well, um, Kyle was so stoked by hearing about the Holy Spirit. He's even indignant. He said, how come I've never heard about this stuff before? How come I've never heard about the Holy Spirit? I've grown up in church and I've never heard about the Holy Spirit. I never really knew what the Holy Spirit was. Well, I can't. I can't address that, but the, the thing is he's heard. And so he feels the Lord has called him to a healing ministry. So he was in the restaurant, this is now a month ago now, and he was, <laughs> he was just there with his family and he noticed the waitress was limping. And uh, so he, he, he felt like, man, he's supposed to go pray for her. Well, you know how you feel when you think a thought like that? What happens? You start to get sweaty palms. You start to get nervous. Oh my gosh, is this right? Am I, am I, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing? But Kyle is a pretty bold person. So he let his family leave the restaurant first and he went over to this young waitress and he says to her, I noticed you're, you're limping. Is your leg hurt or something? She says, yeah, I have this thing with my leg. And so he says, well, would it be all right? I think I'm supposed to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray for you? 
And her answer to him was something like, oh, whatever. And he prayed for her, and just like a half-sentence prayer. We're not talking a great big theological, just, God, heal this lady, please. Amen. You know, something like that. And she opened up her eyes, startled, looked at him and said, what did you do to me? What you did? What did you do to me? Her leg was okay. It was healed just like that. And Kyle, this is what I love. Kyle didn't know what to say. He just kind of said, it was Jesus. And he booked out of the restaurant. <laughs> just like that. That's what I'm talking about. Right there. That's the kind of thing that we need to be doing. Stepping into a person's life, asking permission to introduce Jesus to them in some way, and then letting Jesus take care of the rest of it. These, I'm looking for 24 of you guys, 24 people who are going to do this, and then to come back and share our stories. We need to share our stories of what God has done in us and through us as we do these. Now, today's my day of calling forth the evangelist. You have a commitment card in your hand. If God is calling you, then you need to put your name on the card. I don't want to let you off the hook because you feel insecure or because, oh, I've never done that before or this or that. But if God is saying to you, you're one of these, then you put your name down. You put your name down on the paper. And then next week, the rest of the church is going to adopt one of these 24. Everyone in our church is going to adopt one of our 24. So that each each one of our evangelists have several people who are saying, I'm praying for you. Whatever you need, I'll, I'll give it to you. You need money to go do your evangelism? Here it is. You need someone to pray for you before you go talk to somebody? Here I am. You, you need a word of encouragement? You send it to them. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to do this all together as a church. But there are, I'm calling forth the, the 24. I'm so excited I already have 11. <laughs> I'm so excited. Those kids are awesome. I was so proud of our youth group on, on Friday night. So I want you to take a moment right now, just a little bit of silence, and I want you to pray for this endeavor, and I want you to ask the Lord if you're supposed to be one of them, and then sign the card. I don't want you to sign the card if you're not one, <laughs> if you are one, because I want those cards back. Holy Spirit, lead us into your truth. Call forth. Lord, those who are the evangelists in our church, those who just they're gifted in sharing something like Kyle did, just going up, praying for somebody, taking a risk, breaking into their life and sharing something and having a miracle come out of it. Praise you, God. Lord, I pray in this room that you would pick the one, the two, the five, whoever they are, who will sign this paper and commit to being one of our evangelists. I pray you'd speak to them now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.